Our scripture lesson today comes from Jesus' little brother, James. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 5. Let's share in God's good word together. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. In uncertain times, we can embrace problems as gifts. In uncertain times, we can embrace problems as gifts. And certainly this has been a season of problems, of challenges, of hardships. And underneath each one of them, if we'll offer it to God, we can find a gift. We can find new life. We can find the ability to have our faith deepened and matured. My name is Mark Foster, and I'm the founding senior pastor of the people known as Acts 2 United Methodist Church. And like the rest of the world, we have our set of problems, but I want to invite you today to embrace problems as gifts. We're in a sermon series called Disrupted, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. And in just a moment, we'll get to this idea of being able to embrace problems as gifts. But before we get there, um, we've had a few steps along the way. We're actually in week six of this series, which is much longer than what we normally do. Uh, But this pandemic is uh, leaving us a little longer uh, than we would like as well. So the whole premise of this sermon series is based on this truth about God found in Psalm 145. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, to everyone on the planet. God sends his reign on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. And the scripture says God's compassion is over all that he has made. In the second week of the series, we looked at choosing our traveling companions wisely. We used the metaphor of a boat. And we really, what we really want is people to come along and row or paddle right alongside us. But every once in a while, if we look closely, there might be some people on our boat or in our boat actually drilling holes in the boat. And those folks, you cannot afford to take you, uh, take with you very long, uh, because otherwise uh, you'll go down with the ship as well. In week three, we looked at the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest teaching ever given by the smartest man who ever lived, Jesus himself. And Jesus teaches us this. He says to ask, to search, and to knock. Jesus promises, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find knock and the door will be opened. And then principle four was this, leave your baggage behind. You can't move forward and go where God is calling you to go if you are still carrying all this unforgiveness and weight of your past and in your life. So God invites us to lay that down, to forgive others and to be forgiven and to receive new life. Leave your baggage behind. And then last week, own your stuff. Super important message because the truth that Jesus teaches us is this, that you are to know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so you have to own which is yours because if you try to blame others, you're simply enslaved to that problem or that past. And so you own your stuff and you move forward knowing that God is with you. And so that brings us today. How do we embrace problems as gifts? And what I've found over nearly 30 years Uh, of pastoral ministry now is that 
much of the, our world kind of falls into two groups, uh, two perspectives, if you will. So the two perspectives on the world uh, and the problems of life are these. Uh, first is a group of people who focus on solving the problem. They really get stuck at just looking at the problem itself. And so often they're super frustrated because it seems like there are always problems and they're just focused on solving it. And sometimes they can and sometimes they can't. So the scripture teaches this. Let's take a look. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Of course you are, Jesus says. And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? No. And why do you worry about clothing? If God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will God not much more clothe you, you of little faith? I love the way Andy Stanley says it. He says, you little faithers, you. Jesus is kind of toying with his audience. This is the greatest teaching ever given by the smartest man who's ever lived. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to live this way. You just don't. You can stop worrying. He says, therefore, do not worry. Say that with me. Do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. Now, when we come to Gentiles in the Bible, all that means is someone who's not a Jew, uh, not a person of the faith that Jesus was a part of uh, at that time. And so when we read Gentiles, we can really read that as a person not of faith, one that doesn't have a deep abiding relationship with God. And so it says, for it is the Gentiles, the people not of faith, who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but strive first for the kingdom of God. And around here, we know that the kingdom of God is that place where what God wants done is done. Another word we use for kingdom of God is heaven, that place where what God wants done is done. And his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So Jesus says, there it is again, Do not worry about tomorrow, about anything, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. And isn't that true? Isn't your trouble today certainly all that you need and and maybe more than you would want? So don't worry, Jesus says. So what Jesus is saying here is don't be like people without faith who worry all the time. And you might say, well, I know people who are really worried. Well, yeah, you do. That's pretty normal, actually. But Jesus says, you don't have to live like that. You're not people of this world. You belong with me. You're a part of heaven, which is now and all time forwards and backwards. God is over it all, and you're one of his people. So you don't have to be like that. You don't have to be living as if you don't have faith because you do. He says, rather, love God and love others. Love God first with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, all that you are. And love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus says. And we do all of this with our eyes towards heaven, towards the kingdom of God. So again, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus continues. He says, do not judge so that you may not be judged. Well, this is sort of what happens when you get wrapped up in the problem, isn't it? You see a problem. You don't think it's your fault. Maybe it's not your fault. So you look someone else to blame and then you judge them. Well, friends, that tears the very fabric of the world apart. It gets us nowhere when we simply judge others and blame others and point fingers and say, well, that's dumb or you should do it like this or not like that. When you focus on the problem, judgment is close at hand. It simply follows. 
We want to be people that live beyond that and move past that. So Jesus reminds us this is a trap. Don't judge so that you may not be judged. Because if that's the game you're playing, that's the result you're going to get. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? In everything you do to others, as you would have them do to you. The golden rule. So what Jesus is saying is leave the results to God. Do the next right thing and leave the results to God. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or where you're going to sleep or what you're going to wear. Leave that to God and and seek what God wants for you first and everything else will fall into place. Leave the results to God. So, So that's one way. Jesus says, don't be like people without faith. You know me, I'm with you. So what I want you to do is to be group number two. People who go beyond the problem. Are there problems? Sure there are, but we don't have to stop there. We can move beyond it. Um, Paul picks up this idea to the early church in Philippi. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Now, that's an important word for the people who live in Philippi because their citizenship, even though they lived in Philippi, was actually in Rome. Paul was talking to Romans who happened to live there. So they understood what it was to, be a, to live in one place, but to have citizenship in another place. And Paul says, so let's, let's get this right. All of us who have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, our citizenship is in heaven. We're something about something much bigger than the problems of today, much bigger than the problems even of our lifetime. We are a part of the people of God across all times, all nations, all races, all peoples, everywhere for all time. Yes, this is great news. Our citizenship is not bound in this pandemic, but rather it's in heaven. And it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And because we belong to heaven, we can rejoice and have peace. We don't have to get bogged down in the problems of this life here and now because we belong to the God of all time, of all people, of all places. So again, Paul to the early church, he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. How often? Always. And again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Now, here's the thing. I wonder how many of us are known for our gentleness. And you might ask yourself, well, why am I not being gentle in this season? It's because we get worried and fixated on the problem. And if somebody's standing in our way between us and solving that problem, then we can lose our gentleness. But if we invite Jesus into the equation and we allow the results to be God's results, then we can be gentle with everyone we come across because it's no longer about us and the problem. It's about God and God's kingdom and God's righteousness where we love God and one another. And this peace and this kindness and this gentleness is ours. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. There it is again. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, this gentleness, this presence of God and the peace of God all come together. So rather than praying, God, get me out of this, we pray, God, get into this. Save me. Come, Savior, help me. Lift me up. Get into right where we are and show me what you want to show me. Help me live the life that you want me to have. Because God is not as concerned about getting us out of problems as in getting us through them. I love the idea of Jesus as the great physician. Uh, Maybe when you go to the doctor, 
you've got a pain in your life. Uh, you've got a pain and you've got a headache or you've got a shoulder ache or a hip ache or a knee ache, whatever it is. And, and what most patients want is to get out of pain. But the good doctor knows that that is not necessarily best for you. But that, that pain is a signal. Um, it's a marker of a deeper issue in your life. So Jesus, the great physician, has healing for us, which often includes pain. It often includes pain. And we know how our healing is going often by the pain associated with that healing. Many of you know that back in November, I had uh, knee surgery. I actually had a full knee replacement. It was my fifth surgery. Um, I blew out my left knee, my ACL, when I was 16 running hurdles. Uh, I ran 330 hurdles in high school, and it just it was completely blown up. And so I got to the point where I'd had all the surgeries I could have before knee replacement, and I tried to wait as long as I could. And so in November, I uh, actually had that surgery. And I would love to tell you that I did not have any pain associated with that, but that would be, as my mama calls it, a fib or a bold-faced lie. And so this, this idea of getting better, of receiving healing in my body, required a great deal of pain, a great deal of pain. And it included things like getting up uh, within 24 hours of the surgery and walking on that new knee uh, that they had cut into my bones and had said, nope, you got to get up. You got to be able to be steady on your feet. You got to be able to go to the bathroom. And uh, it took rehabilitation even the same day. Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm born in November, uh, which makes me legendary. Uh, there, so I, you know, I I had all these friends and family, and I want to thank you for all your support in that. But I don't I don't want to pretend that it didn't it wasn't painful. It was incredibly painful. And when I got through my first days of learning how to walk again, uh, I finally got to unwrap my leg, and it didn't look good. Uh, it looked bad, and they stuck a uh, basketball under my knee and made it bend, which was incredibly painful. Um, it wasn't things that I looked forward to, but I knew that if I didn't begin to bend that knee and extend that knee, then I would not be able to have full range of life after this. Uh, I was told that in the first 12 weeks, uh, it was basically going to be what it was going to be. I would either have the full extension that I needed and the full flexion that I needed, or I would basically be stuck with the range of motion I had the rest of my life. And so I took the rehabilitation very seriously. And I went to a man named Shane, and he was great, uh, but he put me through a lot of pain. He would bend my knee, and he would tell me how far he thought I could go, and, and then he would take me a little further. I would do my part, and then he would stretch me further. And every time he gave me a better range of motion, every time he extended uh, my extension, it hurt. It brought pain into my life on that day so that I would have a life without pain longer uh, for the rest of my life. And so here he is. Uh, he's acting really sweet here. Uh, but you'll notice that over here on my left knee, he's actually bending it past 90 degrees. He was actually putting me in a great deal of pain. And I was praying that I would not kill him in the next few moments because it really, really hurt. And um, I have great respect for Shane and the work that he does. And today I can tell you that uh, I can go to the YMCA and I can do pretty much everything that I could do pre-surgery without pain. And I'm so grateful for it. Um, but this is a part of embracing problems as gifts. How do you take the problems and the pain of the world and allow God to transform them into new life? And I want to share these with you. First of all, 
we have to expect pain to be a regular part of our life for everyone. Expect pain to be a regular part of life for everyone. Um, And as soon as we stop running from the pain and we embrace it as something to learn from and to get used to and to move through, our life gets a lot better. Dr. Henry Cloud puts it like this. He says, all our resistance does nothing to alter the reality of pain. You you can resist it all you want to, but it's still going to be there. Pain is simply a part of life. So I want to invite you, friends, to embrace pain as a teacher or indicator of a deeper issue to take to God. When there's a pain in your life, uh, say to God, what does this mean? What do you want me to do with this? What are you trying to teach me? And so our problems can be gifts if we bring them to God. But the key word, of course, is if. We have to invite God into the process. So again, James, the little brother of Jesus, he says it like this. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kind, notice that he doesn't say if. He says when. When you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. It's not a guess. It's not sometimes. You know that this is going to be the case and you let that endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature. These hardships of life have the ability to mature us and deepen us and that's a good thing, friends. Lacking in nothing. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to you. God is ready to help you. You see, God is less concerned about your immediate comfort than about your long-term growth. About your long-term growth. And I can tell you about my own knee surgery. And, 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 I mean, really one of the worst days of my life was when I blew up my knee my sophomore year of high school. But I would also tell you this, that I have now gone to the hospital and prayed um, with probably a hundred people who are getting a new hip or a new knee uh, or ankle, uh, young student athletes that are scared about what life's going to be like. And God has given me the gift of really being able to be empathetic and, and to pray for them and to care for them and to know the pain that they're about to go through and, and how important the rehabilitation is and, and what you have to do. And is it painful? Yes, it is. Uh, does it get better? Yes, it does. And the, the more you do in the early days, the, the better the rest of your life will be as someone who has you know, been living with this uh, for nearly 40 years. Um, but the thing is, that problem when I was 16 has been an incredible gift, not only in my life, but in the lives of many, many others. And so I, I could actually argue that I might not even be in ministry had I not blown out my knee when I was 16. It changed the way I thought about weakness and, and power and compassion and empathy. And, and it changed the whole way that I looked at the world. There were certain things that I would no longer be able to do, no matter how hard I tried. Um, I'm told that I should never jump rope again. I'm okay with that. Uh, but there's some things in our lives that we can take as problems, and they can actually become gifts, not just for ourselves, but for others. Oftentimes, it's actually our ministry. It's, it's the way that God uses pain and redeems it as he did at the cross with Jesus for all people in all times. So here's some benefits of problems. First of all, problems bring us to the end of ourselves. It, it, it actually blows up the illusion that we're in control of our lives. We can allow our problems to turn us upward, to no longer just look at the problems of ourselves and our world and actually turn our heads to God and say, okay, God, help me. I need you. The the writer of Hebrews says it this way. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a cloud of witnesses, 
Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Friends, Jesus had a choice about receiving the pain of his life and allowing God the Father to transform it. And you have the same choice in this world today. When we identify with God's suffering, we are deepened and matured. And when a solution is beyond us, God is waiting. God is ready to help. All we need to do is ask, as Jesus has taught us. And we can allow our problems to give us the courage to look inward at the truth. When pain and problems come into our life, we can not only look upward, but we can also look inward and say, okay, God, show me the truth about me. What's going on? Where is this pain coming from? And and what is the way that you're making for me to step into? So here's some things you can do right now, right in the middle of this pandemic, right in the middle of the problems you have today. First, I want to invite you to give up protesting about pain and problems. We can give up the illusion that somehow pain and problems are just going to disappear. They're always with us. There's no reason to protest them because they're going to be here. Again, it's not if they're going to be here. It's when they're with us, which is all the time. So the second thing is this. Accept that pain is a part of real life. It simply is. You can run from it. You can numb it. But remember this. You can't heal what you don't feel, and you can't feel what you medicate. And so as the better it is when we receive the knowledge that pain is with us always and deal with it, the better our lives get. Uh, thirdly, then, accept that we don't have all the answers. Uh, certainly that's true for me personally. That's true for the church. Uh, that's probably true in your life. You don't have all the answers. And rather than being stressed out about it and anxious about it, just don't be like, I don't know. These are three of the most freeing words in all of your life. When you come to the point in your life where you're able to say, I don't know, there's a lot of freedom there. And so, you know, one of the things that people try to get me to do sometimes is be the Bible answer man. And I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't have the whole Bible memorized. Uh, but I trust God with my life and I search the scriptures to find out what to do next. But I don't have every answer, but I trust God uh, who is the answer, who is the way, the truth and life itself. Fourth, then, accept that problems will always be around us. Um, that's just the truth of the world. Uh, pain and problems are a part of our life. Fifth, accept that some problems will remain mysteries until we are face-to-face with God. My friends, that's true for me, too. It's just absolutely true for me. that I don't know why God allows bad things to happen to children. Uh, it, it's a terrible thing. Uh, the problem of theodicy, evil in the world... I don't know why that is, but I know God can work in the middle of it as he did through the cross. But there's some mysteries and some pain in the world I'm just not going to understand, and you're probably not going to understand until we come face to face with God. And so we live this day awaiting that day. Sixth, adapt and change to live in peace with the way things really are. We don't need to pretend that that they're not the way that they are because they are really the way they are. And we can adapt and change to live into that. And when we do that, it brings us peace. And finally, I want, you, um, I want to invite you to become more flexible. Uh, the Acts 2 beatitude is this. Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be a bit out of shape. And certainly that's been our motto for a long time. 
because for seven years, we went into every weekend not knowing whether the custodial staff was going to let us in uh, to the school we were using. We hoped they did. We hoped they didn't oversleep. We hoped they had the right keys, but it wasn't in our control. In the same way, in these last number of weeks, we haven't been able to control um, the internet. I mean, we can do our part, but to some degree, we're trusting that the internet's going to work and that your download at your home is going to work, and so we have to trust God with that as well. And so we have to become more flexible. Uh, And certainly when um, we reopen and we come back, it's going to require us to be more flexible. Uh, Some of the things that we're used to doing, we're just not going to be able to do if we reopen anytime soon because um, simply not safe and and we've got to follow the guidelines. And so we hope uh, and ask that you would be flexible uh, and really be praying for the team that's at work now, um, our reopening team, to try to figure out how do we come back together and when and how do we do that Um, for the community of faith and for the wider witness to the world that Christ has called us to, to help non-religious and non-active Christians become radical Christ followers. How do we step into that mission together? And how in this time of pandemic uh, do we become more and more flexible to help that mission happen? So I appreciate you so much for being flexible, for being with us online these weeks, uh, for hanging in there. And I know you're doing great and um, doing the best you can. Um, And I just want to thank you for your flexibility these days. We really appreciate it. So what is our action step for this week? Pray. Ask as Jesus says. Ask Jesus. Pray to Jesus. Teach me whatever it is that you want me to learn in this situation. And really, whatever it is, Lord, just just teach me. Show me. What is it that you want me to learn? Um, Do you... Do you want me to be more patient? Do you want me to give up control? Do you want me to to really reevaluate my life and how I spend my time and how I spend my resources? What's most important in my life? Just ask Jesus, what is it that you want me to learn? And as you do that, together we'll turn our hearts and our lives back to the will of God, to the kingdom of God, to heaven. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you're with us. We thank you that you love us. And we thank you that you can transform any pain and any problem that we have into good, as you did with Jesus, with the cross and the tomb and the resurrection and the ascension and the coming of your Holy Spirit. And we ask that you do the same with us, your people known as Acts 2. And we'll be quick to give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.